Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church this morning as we open God's Word together to answer the question, How We Go, which happens to be the title of our message this morning. Now, if you were not here last week or you haven't listened to the sermon online through our website or our podcast, you may be sitting here right now asking yourself the following things. Hey, Al. Before you explain how we go, why don't you clue me in on where we're going? Happy to do that by way of review. Last week, we talked about where we are going. We phrased it this way, why we gather. We talked last week about our destination, our destiny, or as the Bible would say, our mission. We laid it out. And just by way of review, I want to remind you of that mission. Becomes, it comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, from his last words on earth. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our destination is discipleship. We said last week, we gather to connect, we gather to grow, but ultimately, and this week we're going to tease that point out, we gather to go. As it says on the screen, in Christ we gather to go and make disciples. This is our destination. This is your destination for your life. This is what Jesus has called you to do, and he's called us to do together. We're to go and make disciples of all the nations with his word, those that would follow Jesus Christ. We start with our own lives. You can't make a disciple if you are not a disciple. Corey spoke to that during communion. But then it moves to our family. Thank God that we've seen how that's happening in our families. But then it moves out to our church, our fellow church members, our neighbors, those we work with, those we go to school with. This is our destination. This is our purpose in life, church. This is our mission statement. We go to make disciples. And that delivers us to the sermon this morning. Well, how do we go? How do we make disciples? How do we fulfill this mission, this commission we've been given by God? Now, this is kind of like taking a trip. If I'm going to say to my family, hey, family, we're going to take a trip. Yay. You ready? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go. They're going to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are we going? Where are we going, Dad? Because because where we're going is going to determine, to a great extent, how we pack. It's going to determine, uh, to a great extent, the vehicle by which we get there. If I'm telling my family that we're going to Disney and it's the summertime, well, okay, now they know we're going to pack light, we're going to pack shorts and T-shirts and really comfortable walking shoes. And we're probably going to drive because nowadays, since you have to stand in line at the airport for four hours and 38 minutes... That's just to get in the door. And then by the time we take the 45-minute flight, factor in there the security checks, it's already four hours, and we can drive to Orlando in four hours. Or three hours if you don't have a conscience. <laughs> <coughs> but if I say, no, listen, kids, 
we're going to Colorado to go snow skiing. Snow? What's that, Dad? That's going to really determine then how we pack. We're going to be packing like the smidgens do when they go to, to the, the far northwest and visit family. 14,000 suitcases and, 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 you know, parkas and hats. And <laughs> I mean, it's going to change how we pack, and it's certainly going to change the vehicle by which we get there. I'm not driving to Colorado. We're going to be flying there. So before we delve into how we go, I want to remind us of our destination. It is discipleship. It is making disciples with the gospel. And so I want us to look very, very briefly at our destination. So to speak, let's get the map out. I love maps. Let's, Let's get the map out. Let's see where we're going. Let's see the destination. And to that end, I've provided a slide for you to look at. What is a disciple? You can do this many different ways. There's many different definitions. You create your own. But biblically speaking, I think these capture the major points. A disciple is one who loves God and loves others. This is why we gather. You can't be a disciple if you don't love God and love others. If you never gather with those that you say you're a disciple with. This is why we have church. This is why, this is why we get together in community groups and small groups and Bible studies and equip college and career singles ministry, which by the way, we're not meeting this Sunday. That shouldn't have been up on the slide. So if you saw that, just disregard that. Uh, this is why the Catalyst Youth Ministry ministers meets together because we love God. He's connected us to himself in Christ and therefore he's connected us to one another. So by definition, disciples gather together to connect. A disciple makes disciples with the gospel. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we have times where we can try to apply the word of God. I need help to apply the word of God. I need help to have someone speak into my life and say, Hey, Al, how are you doing connecting with others? Which is what we talked about last Wednesday night at Community Group. How are you doing in the area of growing? Where are you growing? And we talked about it. I need you. You need me. A disciple is one who who makes disciples and To do that, you have to gather together, and you have to grow together. Disciple is one who saturates oneself in God's word. Men, this is why we're gathering on Wednesday night, because you as a disciple need to be one who's saturated with God's word. And if you're not saturated with God's word, but you're saturated with whatever else, or you have a couple of drops of God's word on your tongue that you get once a week on Sunday morning, then God bless you. I'm not mad at you. I have the same struggles, but man, I'm a disciple. Disciple saturated in God's word. So get in your car and get over to Marcos's house on Wednesday night, and let's start getting saturated. Let's just dunk our faces in the word of God. Let it roll off of our mouths and just drip down onto our shirts, and let's encourage one another to be in the word and understand the word. And the word is something I love and I know how to study because that's a disciple. A disciple serves in the church. Listen, why did people get here this morning at 8.15 in the morning? Some got here at 8.30, some at 8.45. Some walked in and I was wondering, I hope they didn't drive in that condition. Because I'm not sure they were awake until they got their coffee. Why are there people serving your children right now in children's ministry? Why did the ushers put together what they did? Why did Patrick get here early? He's taking Raphael's place because Raphael is on vacation with his family. And Patrick organized having communion. And I'm sure when he started, he went, oh man, (laughs) how do I do this? He's back there filling little cups with juice. 
Why does the worship team practice on Friday nights and serve? Because they understand that a disciple serves in the church. You've all been given a gift. And you're to use it. A disciple knows the gospel, shares the gospel, and is ready to defend the gospel. That's why we have Bible 45. It's going to start again in October. That's why we've taught Connect 101, new members class. Grow 201. And go 301. Do you know the gospel? Can you defend the gospel from your classmate who says, I don't believe there is a God? Do you know where to go? See, the, 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 the pastors don't do the ministry. We, we help equip you to do the ministry and the leaders of the church so that you can come to these classes, which will start up in October. You can say, I'm a disciple. I need to know the gospel. I'm going to uh, uh, make every effort, as it says in that Peter uh, section there. I'm going to make every effort to know the gospel so I can go share the gospel. A, a disciple lives the gospel. And a disciple perseveres in the power of the gospel. Man, I need you and you need me. Because there are days when the going gets tough. And I don't want to persevere. I want to check out. I'm that cranky old pastor who doesn't want to get on the plane to Nicaragua. (laughs) And I got on that plane because I was too embarrassed to tell David or Corey, you know, Guys, you take it. David, you're a young man. You, 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 go, you go, you know, be uncomfortable for a week and a half. And I needed those guys to kind of help me persevere, if you know what I mean. Like, get on that plane. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you. I, I was enriched, man. But there's times we want to quit. We need a workout partner who says, get up. Let's go. We're going out back and we're going to work out. We need to persevere. So. You see the map? There's the map, guys. That's where we're going. Wow, that's really small. Sorry. (laughs) I was wondering why Cal was squinting. Cal, you okay? (laughs) There's the map. All right, here's the question. How do we get there? How do we get there? How do we get there? And to answer that question, Peter writes to us the following in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, is going to describe two things for us. It's going to describe how we pack, or what I'm calling our mission message. We know the mission, we know the destination. What do I pack? What do I take with me on the way there? So our mission message, and then he's going to give us our mission method. What vehicle do we take to get there? Are we taking a plane? Are we taking a car? Whatever. So here it is. Let me read it to you. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 on the screen. But you... Are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What do we pack on our destination discipleship? What is our mission message? Point one, it is the very gospel that has connected us to God. We see it here in this text. In verse 9, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is Bible verbiage 
that is gospel in its core. That's the gospel that takes us from darkness and puts us into the light of God. We see it in verse 10. You were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the gospel is our message. The gospel is what connects us to God. God connected us to himself, and we must go with that message. Here's the message. Jesus was disconnected so you could be connected. God the Son willingly came to this earth and climbed up on that cross and was rejected by the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was disconnected so that God could connect us as people. That's what we go with. That's what we pack in our luggage when we go on this destination discipleship trip. It is the greatest message ever. It it is the message that means you can go on the trip. Listen, are you, get on board. Are you on board? Get in the van for going to Disney. Check into the airport and get on the airplane if we're going to Colorado. Let me just speak very briefly to those of you who are here, who are guests, or who do not know Jesus as your Savior. You're not connected. I pray that having heard what Corey said, having seen communion celebrated before your very eyes, and hearing what I'm saying right now, that you would repent and believe and get connected. And then when God connects us to himself in Christ, he connects us to one another in the church. This is what uh, Corey spoke of a couple of weeks ago, this brotherly affection, this Psalm 16, this, this idea of God delighting in us in Christ, David, a type of Christ, and then we delight in one another. I told Corey, I said, oh, Corey, when I listened to that message on the podcast, because I wasn't here, I was in Nicaragua, the, the thing that hit me right between the eyes, I just started crying. You know, I I was thinking, oh Lord, you connected me to you and you're connecting me to this person sitting next to me. And you delight in that person. Why don't I delight in that person? Why do I arrogantly and proudly at times look at him and say, you're a real idiot. I mean, if you're honest, right? You ever done that? What's wrong with them? Why do they do that? Why don't they do this? And, and you find yourself, rather than delighting in them, you, you see their faults. And this person sitting next to you could be a family member. It could be someone in the church. Or it could be just someone you don't even know. And they're going, boy, I hope he is not thinking that about me. But, but it just hit me. If, if God's connected me to himself and he's connected me to one another and he delights in that person, he sings over that person, he gave his life up for that person, why am I not delighting in them? See, this is that brotherly affection piece. This is that piece of why we get together, why we make it a priority to get together, to get to that meeting, to get to that place, and to be there because I love you and I delight in you because you are. You are God's delight. And you're my delight. And I want to see you. And I want to fellowship with you. Do you irritate me sometimes? Sure. I irritate a lot of people all the time. I'm so sorry. But much of that irritation is my own fault. Because I'm just being proud and arrogant and selfish. We, we delight in one another. This is the message that fuels our mission. This is the message that fuels our mission. All right. How about our method, Al? Point two. 
Our mission method. If our mission message is the very gospel by which we were connected to God and by which God connects us to one another, what's our method? What's the vehicle by which we are going to get there? Well, if you go back to the first Peter text, he says that we are a chosen race. That speaks to the gospel message, right? But then he says we're a holy people. We're a holy people. And so our mission method is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is to say, our method is to declare and demonstrate the message of the gospel. We would say it this way. We grow. If the gospel connects us, we're connected because of God, because of Christ. He was disconnected so I could be connected and we're connected with one another, then this piece is we grow. See, the the mission method is our lives. The mission method is to embody the message. Jesus embodied the message. He came and took on a human body. God could have spoken from heaven with a megaphone, the gospel. And he's God. If he had chosen to do it that way, he could have done it that way. And we'd be saved by that. But he didn't. He embodied the message. And then after his ascension into heaven, he said, now I'm sending you out as my body to embody the message. Christ is the head. We are the body. This is one of the metaphors that is used in scripture. Hence, the method is that we grow. How do we grow? I grow when I gather with people faithfully in community group and small groups and singles and, and one-on-one and at Starbucks and, and I'm intentional about it in church and I'm leaning forward. I'm taking notes. I'm coming to Bible 45. I'm getting up early. I'm setting my alarm early so that I can get here and listen to the incredible testimony that Sophia Herrero gave us this morning. If you miss that, man, that was good. And then pray for her. Because I want to grow. Listen, some of us, you know, we look in the mirror and we go, what happened to that body? <laughs> and, and, and we have a vision of the body that we'd like to be staring back at us from the mirror. And so we start doing things, we change our diet, and we start working out so that we can get the body that we're envisioning. Much more importantly, we are the body of Christ. And God has a vision for the body of Christ. It's called being a disciple. It's called looking like Jesus. And we look in the mirror of the word of God and we go, Ooh. Okay, I got to work on the abs, <laughs> got to work on those arms, got to do a little leg <laughs> work. And God, and God encourages and says, that's where we're going, and I'm going to get you there, and the method is actually getting there, because as we work out, as we develop by the grace of God, he then sends us into the world as his body to live it out. That's what Sophie's going to be doing at Miami Carroll City High School. That's what Richard Morla does at Action Outboard and Motor in Hialeah. That's what Gary Beecham does as a professor of the University of Miami. Three different people, three different venues. That's what Claudia does when she's with her boys tomorrow morning doing homeschooling with them. You've got people in different worlds, but the bulk of that world for them, their mission field, where the body of Christ is seen, 
is where they, that's the method, they live it. They are, they are Christ embodied, so to speak. It's incarnational. It's incarnational. But to, but to have the body, to be able to run the race in the mission field that God gives you, you've got to do the work. Right? We've been watching the Olympics. I love the backstories. How these people trained. This one woman that won the triathlon. Amazing. She was an accountant and got a phone call seven years ago. She's 30 years old. She won the triathlon. I was just watching her run. and I, But she, she didn't get like that just watching videos on how to do the triathlon. Or listening to a sermon about triathletes. She, she got up and started working out. So, so the method is, I grow. I grow not so I can have this beautiful body and go, man, you're really good looking. <laughs> Those biceps. How vain. Some churches do that. Some pastors do that. No, no. We go so that we can go get dirty and exhausted and tired and give of ourselves and even at times get injured. You know, when I was thinking about Palm Vista, I was thinking, you know, we're going to turn 20 Next January. Yep, 20 years old. And and I was just thinking, you know, for about 15 years, we were a beautiful body. (laughs) Um, We still are, by the way. Don't don't get nervous. (laughs) Just a little different. Um, and, And God used his word. He changed our diet. There were some of you who came. You did not know Jesus. And and God gave us a regimen of working out. You know, God's word became our daily bread. To do his will became the meat that we eat and savor and love. And we worked out. And he sent us into the battle. And into the game, if you you want to think of it that way. And, And you know what? A couple of years ago, we got hurt. Like right now, I've got, I've got tennis elbow. All right, I know, you're mocking me. But it really hurts. And I do like working out. I, I get up in the morning, I, I, I seek the Lord, I walk with my wife, we pray, we talk, and then I work out. If I don't work out, I don't know, my day, just I, just, I need it, okay? But I can't do push-ups like I used to. It hurts. My knee isn't what it used to be. It hurt that when I was in the military. I can't work out like I want to, but I'm still working out. As a, as a, as a church, we got hurt. We got hurt. We got, some, we got some knees that are out of whack. We got some elbows that hurt. We got some shoulders that have been hit. And it's affected us. Like, like we think about how we used to work out, and we go, man, we can't, we can't quite do that yet. And, and sometimes, you know, you have to go through rehab. And so while you're going through rehab, you're working out, but you're not doing what you used to do. You know, man, I used to do, you know, 40-pound curls, and now, like, literally, I, I get, like, a 10-pound curl, and it's like, but I'm working out. So we're a little different. We're still healing. We're still in rehab. But here's the deal. God is committed to building this body, this church, into what he wants, his image. We're not showing off. We're not trying to be better than anybody else. We're being the body he wants us to be so we can get back out on the field and go get hurt again. Amen. Bring it on. Because Jesus is Lord. He's the one that we're imaging. It's not about us. It's about him. And I just want to say to you, Church, thank you. Because there's some of you right now that are walking around with slings on, <laughs> braces on your knee. But, but thanks, because you're still in the game. You're not 
working out like you used to because it hurts a little, but you want to, and you'll get there. Amen? All right. So where does all this happen now? Point three. What, where do I do all this stuff? Well, I alluded to it in our prayer time. I alluded to it just a moment ago when I talked about Richard and, and, and Claudia and Sophie and, and, and Gary Beecham. Our mission field, what is it? Well, let me just briefly share this with you. What I'm about to share in point three is not going to be fully developed. We're kind of working on this, okay? But, but point three is kind of like, where do we do all this? And, and, and kind of what does it look like, okay? Uh, but our mission field, I would say to you, is primarily where you work, and that's whether you work at home with your children or maybe in a home business, or you work in a business somewhere, or you're self-employed, where you go to school, okay? Uh, reading some guys that have spent most of their life trying to understand the Great Commission and the Gospel Commission, uh, they come up with sort of some ideas that we've, we're looking at right now. So, this is just fact. There's 168 hours in every week. All right, do the math. Seven times 24. Let's assume, and these men assume, that we sleep for 48 of them. Which some of you, I know, you may sleep way more, like 68. Some of you may sleep way less, like 38. But for the sake of this argument, let's just say 48 hours are spent sleeping. So you have about 120 hours in your week. The most committed member of Palm Vista probably spends 10 hours a week in church activities. That's the very most committed member. Very most. And that's good. I'm not, that's very good. But you start doing the math, right? So out of 120 hours... 10 of the very most committed are in church or community group or youth or singles or whatever you're doing. That leaves 110 hours a week. Now, here's the question. How do we build a church that optimizes the 10 hours a week we are together to equip the members for the mission that they're going to walk out in those 110 hours a week? That's why it's not a show. It's not, it's not like, how beautiful can it be? How comfortable can I be? Give me a cappuccino when I come to church in the morning. No, 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 no. This isn't a cruise ship. This is a workout gym. This is a work. Sorry. Did I say something wrong right then? Sometimes I do. Apologize if I offended you. This is a workout gym. This is a place where we come to work out. By the way, are you coming? I haven't seen you for a while. This is a place where we put in the hours, not because we have to, not because we're saying that, you know, if you don't, you're somehow a bad person or that somehow you have to earn your way to God. No, because Jesus was disconnected to connect me to God and connect me to one another. And because his life is my life. In fact, Peter would say we are God's possession. That's what he says there in that first Peter two. I am going to come there because Lord, I know my destination. This is where you're going. I'm getting in the car. I'm closing the door. I'm getting on the plane. I'm buckling in. Let's go. Let's work out. So that when we get to the 110, we have something to give. And we usually, when we go and give it, I love what Sophie said, we're going to get burned out. She's right. We're praying for Sophie. Every school teacher saying amen, right? You hit about April, you're ready to like, forget April, that's right. You hit like November, <laughs> yeah, okay. Sonia's over going, yeah, yeah. All right, so then we come, that's why we got to be in the gym. And, 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 and God is working in us. And, and so the question is, how does, that, how does that affect how we do church? How often we do church? Our vision for doing church. How does that affect what I do during the weeknights? How does that affect where I spend time? And Corey alluded to my money. It's not mine. It's his. I mean, I, mean, I think of Richard. How many people are in this church? I know there's one family right now that because they work together. And God used him. 
At Action Motors in Hialeah, sweating. And if you ever call Richard and he doesn't answer, he says, I'm sorry, I can't answer the phone. I might not be able to hear it over the sound of these machines. And if you've ever been there, you understand those machines are loud. And it's good that Richard serves in the church. This week, Richard will drive his van over to the Miami Baptist Association. He'll pick up the baptistry. He'll haul it to his house. He'll keep it for a couple of days. He'll bring it here. He'll fill it up with ice-cold water. (laughs) By the way, Mickey McDaniel wanted to buy ice and put it in there. I don't want to throw it underneath the bus. Five bags of ice, okay? And that's good. And, and, And thank you, Richard, okay? But 110 hours a week, Richard's at Action Outboard. Sweating. What are we doing to prepare Richard for his mission field? See, that's the question. Actually, the question to all of us is, will we stand up and say, Lord, I'm your chosen race. I'm a holy nation. I'm becoming what you say I am. And I'm a royal priesthood. Priests represent God to man. And I'm I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm on board. To that end, let us pray. Worship team, would you please join me up front? Lord God, I pray that you would give us all a fresh vision of what it means to be the church, why we gather. I pray, Father, that you would open the map up of your word and that you would show us the destination, destination discipleship, what a disciple looks like. Am I a disciple? Am I discipling my family, friends? And Lord, show us, show us the mission field where you call us to make disciples, which starts with declaring and demonstrating the gospel, living it out, talking about it. Lord, I pray that you would build your church. Lord, I pray that we'd look in the mirror of your word and see what we're, what we're to become, the body that you have destined for us. This is our destiny. My destiny is not tied to my past sins. It's not tied to what people say about me or this church. My destiny is tied to your word and what you say about us and your church. And Lord, we say amen to that. We believe, Lord, when we have unbelief creeping in, help us. We're weak. Give us the vision, Lord. Lord, when we do gather... Lord, as leaders, we're asking, show us how to lead in such a way that we optimize those 10 hours a week or for some five hours a week or maybe for some three hours a week so that the maximum good, the maximum workout regimen could be engaged for that individual. It's not one size fits all. So that they can be built up to be that part of the body that can then be exercised out on the mission field. The communities, the highways and the byways, the the school hallways, the factories, the business offices, the universities where you've placed us. And Lord, in light of that, we just want to now focus on you because that is a lot, but you are greater. We just want to declare how great is our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand and let us sing that song.